not all adoptions are awful. Some of them are awesome. <laughs> My family was great. And I had I got very lucky with two wonderful reunions. And there are a lot of adoptees out there who have had some fantastic things happen. I, I One of my guests told me that she found her biological father and she didn't know him at the time that she got married. And so she didn't get her father-daughter dance. So after she had been married, she put on the song that she wanted to dance with him with too. And they had a dance in her backyard, just him and her. It's in 30 minute hour. Where you grow into your power. Welcome to the 30 minute hour. It's the personal development podcast for the seven figure entrepreneur who's looking to level up and become unstoppable. I'm your host, Eric Twiggs, your procrastination prevention partner who's conducted over 28,000 coaching sessions. Also joining me, you know him as the super CEO, the business strategist extraordinaire, and all around good guy, Ted Fells. Happy Monday. How's everybody doing? Happy Monday. Yeah, it certainly is a happy Monday. And I'm really, I've been looking forward to this episode for quite some time with our guest. And it's the, the theme is who am I really? The adoptees, the adoptees guide to achieving wholeness. So we're going to talk about this very layered topic, <laughs> adoption, like all, how it impacts people. So for the entrepreneurs who are listening and watching us, your business partner may have been adopted. You may have employees who are adopted, family, friends. There's just a lot of things that are going to come out of this episode about adoption that you would have never thought of before. Um, it can really help you to move forward in the right way. And you, you may have been adopted and maybe dealing with some of the challenges and issues that Damon, our guest, is going to bring up. But please know that this is not your everyday podcast. Ted, you know, we, we didn't let Damon know that we're a little different and we, we do things differently. <laughs> yeah, you, got, you can't let them know in advance that you do things differently. Yeah, you best around Just scaring people on off, right? It's <laughs> going to be the same. Gotcha. You've been podcast interviews before. Come, come on in. It'll be fine. I appreciate the welcome. Thanks, fellas. Mm -hmm. But Damon is a Hamptonian, so I'm sure he's up to the task, Ted. You know? No doubt. No I doubt. You know, as Hamptonians do. I got this. Absolutely. Mm -mm -mm. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and uh, formally introduce him. He is the host of the Who Am I Really podcast. It's who I'm, who am I really podcast.com. If you want to find that, where adopted people share their stories of adoption and their attempt to find their birth families. He's interviewed over 200 adoptees from an array of life experiences, from awful adoptions and amazing reunions to inspiring adoptions and unfortunate reunions. So please join me in welcoming to the 30 minute hour, Damon Davis.
sir. Eric, Ted, thank you guys very much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's certainly an honor to have you on the show. I noticed we're going to get into a lot of uh, great content uh, Mm -hmm. here this evening. I'm, I'm just curious. Can you share your backstory as far as where your passion for helping adoptees comes from? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to cut to the end a little bit and just share that I am obviously an adopted person, and, but I am also in reunion with my biological family members separately. So I found my biological mother in a heartwarming story of locating her working very nearby and uh, you know, being able to introduce her to my son, who was inspirational in me even launching the search. So to drill down on that a little bit, when I was about 36 years old, my son was born after multiple attempts to try to get pregnant. We were doing in vitro and all kinds of other things and had some failures. So there was already a gang of emotion associated with even trying to conceive in the first place. Then my son was born. And as an adopted person, I had never known any of my biological relatives before. So when my son Seth was born, he was the first biological relative I had ever met in my entire life. Mm. And that right there is incredibly impactful for people when you think about it, because I think a lot of folks don't really realize what adoption means. It's the transplantation of a child from one family to another. And it's it's an eye-opening thing when you really start to dig in and examine what it is that adoption means, because it starts from a couple of different traumas, I'll say. One, there's a birth family who has had this child, and this child, for whatever reason, is removed from that family, and it could be a variety of things. The mother was too young and her dad or her mom or her church or her community and society thought she was not eligible to take care of a child so they said you can't be a mother to this child we need to place this child for adoption or perhaps she was the victim of a violent act or perhaps the child grew up in their family and unfortunately the family started to deteriorate and protective services were brought in to remove the child who then once knew their family and has now been removed placed in foster care and ultimately lived with another family so there's I illustrate those examples, and there may be more, to say that there are traumatic reasons why adoption initiates in the first place. Then you've got a child who has you know, been with their mother for at least nine to ten months in conception, hopefully, and then is removed from that mother, from that family, and placed with another family. So there's a trauma of separation of child and mother. And then finally... In many cases, most, not all, the family where the child lands has had some issue as well. They can't conceive a child or they've conceived a child and lost a child, but there's trauma on that side as well. And sometimes a baby or a child is brought into a family in many instances to heal something that's wrong that actually hasn't been addressed by the parties who are trying to do the healing. Sometimes couples have not really faced their own trauma of not being able to conceive or having lost a child. Or some families try to bring in a child in order to have a Band-Aid for their relationship, right? Their relationship is deteriorating, so they decide they want to adopt and create a family. And, you know, anyone will tell you adding a child to a family is nothing more than adding 
more challenges, more chaos. It can be so rewarding, but it ain't going to be easy. So, um, so I say all that to say that this is kind of how I try to help people to understand what adoption is because I was so inspired by the birth of my son, but I also came to the realization that as he was the first branch on my family tree that I had ever known, so too had I been a branch on someone else's tree, and I didn't know who those people were, and that was what launched me on my voyage to try to find my biological mother. So let me pause there. Hmm. So I'm curious, like, like how how did that impact you or affect you just growing up all this time? Because I mean, that's powerful that the first blood relative that not a lot of people can say that their first blood relative was their son. Mm -hmm. um, like, how did how did that growing up and as you're coming into the work world, how would you say that imp impacted you? Uh, I'll be honest with you, I was very lucky, and not all adopted people are, but. I grew up with the knowledge that I was adopted. So from a very, very young age, I knew that my family was formed through adoption. And I was fortunate because as a black man, my family was also black. So my mom was light skin. My dad was dark skinned and I'm in the middle. Therefore, we kind of look like we could be family. And that made it easier for us to pass. But I said before, not everybody is as lucky uh, to pass and they're challenged in their adoption because what happens is if let's say I was an Asian person adopted into a white family every time we step out on the street it's very clear to the community around us that I'm an adopted person so something that's very personal about myself I would have to live publicly visibly to everyone else in terms of your question about how did my adoption sort of impact me as a, a person who's trying to achieve success, entrepreneurship, etc. I was lucky because my parents told me I could accomplish anything I wanted to if I set my mind to it. I was empowered to be intelligent and smart and to try to excel and achieve. And so I've always had, you know, sort of confidence that I could do almost anything. And I credit my adoptive parents for instilling that in me because many adoptive parents don't do that they will sometimes adoptive parents will end up getting pregnant and now they've got a biological child and an adopted child and there's sometimes some favoritism that goes towards that biological child and the adopted child feels othered they feel like they're a second class citizen in their own family and they can start to see differences how you know johnny with his blue eyes and blonde hair looks just like mom and dad but here i am over here a brunette you know, and I look totally different, um, it can be very lonely for an adoptee. And that kind of adoptee loneliness and uh, struggle can be a challenge for people to overcome, and that then can impact their self-confidence, their self-worth. And it that, you know, as you know, as a businessman, you got to be able to step forward in your truth, know who you are, know what you want to accomplish, and be gung-ho to do so. And the mental challenge of, of being an adoptee sometimes can be overwhelming for people who've not had the foundational undergirding of confidence, love, support, you know, feeling of belonging. Even the little piece that I talked about in the example I gave, being an Asian adoptee in a white family, the lack of mirroring, even thinking I look like these people, I kind of belong, 
even that can be incredibly challenging for folks. So I was incredibly lucky to be instilled both verbally with the confidence of what I could achieve as well as feeling comfortable that I looked like the adopted family that I, that I had been brought into. Now, so it's interesting because it, it seemed like it, you were one of the good stories, success stories where it kind of worked out. You got into a really good situation. What was it that motivated you to make this your mission though, right? Yeah. To, to make this something that you help other adoptees about. Cause normally that's birthed out of serious pain. Yeah. But it seems like you, your experience was, was good relatively speaking. So, so what was it yeah. that motivated you to champion this cause? Well, the same way that I'm sitting here telling you my story, Eric, and I'm telling you, Ted, either one of you could have said, oh, Damon, you don't know this, but I'm adopted too, right? Uh -huh. So as I would share my story with other people, they would say every once in a while I would run into another adoptee and they would say, oh, wow, I'm so happy for you. That's amazing that you've had this reunion with your biological family, but that'll never happen for me. Hmm. And I would ask them why, and they would say, well, um, in the state where I was born, adoption records are sealed and closed and nobody can ever get to them. So I'll never get information about who I am. Or my adoptive parents have basically shared with me or told me or made me feel that if I searched, um, it would be hurtful to them. Or even said outright, I'm your parents, not them. And then other folks have said things like, uh, I have found my biological family and they don't want to know me. That chapter of their life when I was born is now 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years in the past, and they don't want to relive that, the, the challenge of what they, they were uh, going through when I was conceived and then placed for adoption. So the reason that I started this podcast where I wanted to make sure to bring out all of these stories of adoption is because – I started to hear all of these very real scenarios for what adoption was to all of these other people. And I realized that there was sort of a, for lack of better words, Hollywoodification of adoption, <laughs> right? It feels like little orphan Annie who goes from the, the foster home to, you know, the penthouse and that people who are adopted should feel so lucky for what they've been given. And while I do feel very fortunate for the life that I've lived and the love that I've had and the opportunities that have come from it, it's important for everybody listening to recognize I did not grow up with my biological mother. That is incredibly impactful. As you think about your own family, you think about your brothers and sisters, you think about your mom, your dad, and all your cousins and all your aunties and uncles, just try to imagine that you meet all of those people at 36, 42, 50, right? You've lived your entire life in another family, and now you find a whole other family that you originated from that you look like, that you sound like, that you move like, that you have the features of, that you have similar interests as. It's a very jarring thing to come face to face with somebody that you realize you actually share a bloodline with and you can see your features on their face. So I started the podcast because I wanted to debunk some of what people think adoption means and bring out real stories because not every adoptee is treated fairly. 
Not every adoptee is loved as I was. Not every adoptee gets nearly the opportunity that I got. And, and I thought it was unfair that we sort of talk about adoptees like they should feel lucky that they were removed from their families. Um, and I felt like I wanted to make sure that people got truth in the adoption space from the adoptee perspective. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And that really does help to connect the dots as far mm -hmm. as how you, how you got to this point and why you're championing um, yep. this cause. Now you started to talk about kind of some of the consequences of this unresolved trauma. What, what mm -hmm. are some other common consequences that you see from people <laughs> who are dealing with adoption related trauma that if it goes untreated, like how does that manifest in the consequences for people? Yeah, I mean, you know, it can be very limiting for folks. As I alluded to previously, there are times when I've had people say that um, self-doubt was incredibly debilitating for them. You know, when you realize and, – and I want to just point out one quick thing before I go further. I was very lucky to grow up with the knowledge that I was adopted. Some people are what we call late discovery adoptees. And so a late discovery adoptee is a person who finds out at a later date after they've sort of gotten acclimated into their family, they later find out when they can really conceptualize what it means that they are adopted, that they are not of the family that they thought they were. And this can happen. You know, I just did a story that's going to go live on Saturday. This woman found out at about eight years old when her cousin said, you're adopted. And she was like, wait, what? And so she had to go to her mom and have this discussion. There are people who have said that they always thought something was weird because like in the scenario I gave before, they were a brunette in a family of blondes. They were super tall in a family of short people. They're very loud in a family of real quiet people. So they always felt out of place. Um, there are folks who have lost their adoptive parents. And they go into the attic and they look through the records and they're sifting through all the old papers and they find a birth certificate. And the birth certificate has their birthday on it, but it has some other kid's name on it. And then they realize, holy crap, that's me. I'm, I'm adopted. I raised this late discovery adoptee experience or LDA experience because um, that too is incredibly jarring because what happens is you have come to realize that your identity is not at all what you thought it was. The parents you thought were your parents are not your biological parents. And then, <clears throat> pardon me, that calls into question everything else that they've told me, told you, right? If you didn't tell me this about myself and my relation to you, what else is not true, right? This is like foundational and fundamental to who I am as a person and I've just learned that it's not what I thought it was. What other fabrications are out there that I don't know? All that to say, that then creates challenges of people trusting people. And so if you're in a business relationship and you come from this foundation of being an adoptee and feeling like you can't trust people for whatever reason has been created out of that adoption experience – that can impact you in terms of your personal relationships, your business relationships. Um, there are folks who have told me that mentally they uh, push people away, that because of their experience as an adoptee, they sometimes don't trust people as much as they should, and they will actually sabotage relationships 
before they get going too far because they don't want that person to leave them. So they want to cut it off early. There are other folks who have told me that they attach too quickly. They're constantly looking for somebody to be attached to because of their adoption experience, because of the prior separation that they've endured, that they're attaching too quick and too hard. They're coming in too hot. And you can see how all of these challenges of what could be termed sort of poor interpersonal skills or lack of that connection to how you're supposed to interact with people can be really challenging in your personal life and in your business and, and in other areas. And, uh, and so it, you'll never see someone hold up a sign and say, hey, I'm adopted and this is the problem I'm having in my life here in my business. This is why I can't connect to you as a business partner. But that can be one of the challenges that you see with people is this lack of connection, this over-reliance on people. Um, all of the things that I've outlined can be impactful on how you traverse your life. Are you looking to monetize your podcast with any size following, attract paid sponsors, or promote your podcast to get more downloads? Well, I'm inviting you to a free masterclass titled How to Monetize Your Podcast and Explode Your Downloads. During this session, we'll be teaching you the tactics that we used here on the 30-Minute Hour podcast that have resulted in us achieving over 680,000 total downloads and ranking in the top 2% in popularity amongst all podcasters on the planet. So join us on Saturday, April 15th, 2023 at 10 a.m. Eastern for this free masterclass to register and reserve your seat visit the whatnowmovement.com and click the events tab yeah you know it's interesting so like with clients that i work with and businesses i've interacted with we've done like uh personality assessments and we and we uh, we track their like their levels of trust and mm -hmm. there's always once the when the trust is really low to a certain point there's usually some life event. That's right. That's a business partner that ran out on them, a divorce, parental issues, adoption-related issues. Mm -hmm. um, and I, so I think the takeaway is, especially if you're, I mean, you're leading people, sometimes you have to apply empathy and, and try to find out the backstory as mm -hmm. to why someone, you know, ask questions. Sometimes I've had people tell me things. Yes. You know, just by sitting back and listening about how they their upbringing, adoption related challenges yeah. that makes them who they are. And I think once you can understand some of that backstory, it helps you to be able to better relate to the person. One hundred percent. I mean, this is this is like anything else. If you can think about, you know, some of your love relationships when you're in a romantic relationship with a person and you're like, why are they doing this? And they finally reveal to you that their ex-boyfriend used to treat them this horrible way and they vowed to themselves no one else will ever treat them that way. And so they're preemptively treating you in a certain way because of their past experience. It's not until that came out in your conversation with them about your relationship and their prior relationships that you realize, oh, this is why they're treating me this way. And then with that knowledge, you can help them forward. It's a similar thing with adoption, which I think is going to be much more personal, is I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about or relate 
connect that their adoption can be a limiting factor in how they proceed through certain elements of their lives. And I've had people tell me that they it wasn't until they went to therapy and they sat down after, you know, four, five, six, ten sessions that the adoption really came out and the person was able to then, as you've said, empathize and draw out that how this detachment early has led to this alternate behavior as an adult. It's uh, it's really fascinating. And then, Ted, I want to bring you in on this. I mean, you've got years and years of leading teams of people. And you have this ability to get people to talk to you and tell you what's going on with them. I mean, feel free to share your thoughts on this. I don't know. I mean, you know, when I you know, try to put my myself in a place where, you know, Damon and others that have, you know, gone through adoption and just thinking about, you know, just the things that you've said, like I never thought about like, man, you're you're coming into this family of people that you know, especially in a situation where you find out later in life, mm -hmm. right? Like, just like, okay, you know, like these people have had a bond. They've celebrated holidays together over the years and right. different historical things that they can talk about. And you're like, just trying to jump in, like trying mm -hmm. to jump in and find your, your place in there, no matter how, you know, welcoming they are, right? Yeah. It's still, it's going to take some, you know, kind of, you know, getting, uh, getting, getting used to, and then you'll probably, it'll always be different though. Yeah. That, and this is why I do the show Yeah, because every single person is different. Some people are going into their reunion journey with the confidence that I had and mm -hmm. the, um, sort of open-mindedness to say, whatever happens, happens. I'm good. Yeah. And some people go into their reunion journey, seriously looking for answers because they don't know who they are. And they need to find something on the other side. And sometimes they do. They'll find people who are receptive. And other times they don't. They find a grave because the person they were looking for is deceased. Yeah. They find rejection because the family that they want to join is so tightly knit that they're not looking for new entrants. Or, yeah. as I said before, there's been trauma. And the person is like, oh, my God, that was 30 years ago. I can't believe you're here and you're bringing this up for me again. Mm -hmm. I don't want to face this. Now, take that person, the adoptee, who is on your team, Ted, mm -hmm. and they're doing all of this reunion stuff and trying to show up at work on Monday morning. Mm -hmm. They're a little bit off. Yeah. Not quite delivering. Every yeah. one of us has something that we're going through. Right now, mm -hmm. my mother-in-law's in the hospital. She's in rehab, right? Mm -hmm. Every one of us is going through something that we haven't necessarily shared with everybody else. Sure. But it's important for us to sort of invite people to talk about what they're going through. And sometimes yeah. you will hear that a person is going through a an adoption reunion journey. And it can go like this, too. I got this wasn't me, but I did do an ancestry DNA test. But some people will say, you know, I got an ancestry DNA kit for Christmas, Mother's Day, Father's Day, thank you know, birthday. And I wasn't expecting this, but like I've got a biological relative out there and I don't know who this person is. And, they, and like it could be a brother, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the relation is that close. And so the person is mulling over in their mind. How did I grow up in this family? But I've got a brother out there that I don't know. Right. 
So these are the kinds of things that are transpiring around us that we're not necessarily aware of. They're very personal, intimate things that folks are going through, and it can be incredibly challenging to navigate your job, your entrepreneurship journey while doing both things at the same time. Wow. You know, Damon, I think I had mentioned when we spoke before of a of a friend that found out about, you know, uh, you know, his his kind of adoption situation and, you know, later in life and found out like from just some friends who just had kind of connected some dots. It was just a really interesting story. I, I don't yeah. even want to try to tell it because I think I'd mess it up. But the long and short of it was he had some friends and the friends were talking about some lady that they used to work for who was so such a great person and was doing such amazing things in, a, in an agency. And somehow I, they made the connection and finds out that the lady that they're talking about was his mother. It's really surreal. So he finds yeah. out about he yeah he finds out about his his mother and gets to meet her gets to meet the family as his siblings and they they welcomed him and embraced him and then yeah that's you know, great. not long after that she you know she passed. Mm -hmm. Think know? how fortunate he is that that very very lucky conversation even yeah. happened. Yeah, at a point where it could be connected with him, they could have had that conversation away from him. Yeah and not be speaking about this mutual boss and they could have had this conversation and never connected him back to this woman and he would have never found her and he would have been among those who finds a grave when he does decide to search mm -hmm. he got lucky i got lucky too i found my biological mother in 2009 and by 2016 she was deceased mm -hmm. you know we only had a few years together and uh, and so, you know, I there are some very, very lucky stories out there, but not everybody's that lucky and not everybody has the sort of strength, confidence, desire. Some people don't want to search. Right. Yeah. And and other folks just don't feel ready yet because it can feel like Pandora's box. You know, I questioned whether I had been so I was born in 1972. And when I was growing up on the news was a whole bunch of news about Baltimore City and D.C. and a whole lot of drugs. And I was like, yo, could I have been a, like a drug baby? You know, I had no clue what my story was. And this is what happens with adoptees is we make up narratives in our mind because we don't know what the facts are. A lot mm -hmm. of adoptees will imagine, like, was my dad a famous athlete and was my mom an actress? Right. Mm -hmm. In the absence of fact and you know your brain can't stand a void you make up a story and mm. and 99 of the time it's not true uh but it's it can be really challenging for people to even decide to search and then to have everything go your way to be able to locate people uh is really really tough mm. yeah so i want to talk about the podcast and then kind of sure. let my next couple of questions um, lead into that. So you're the host of the Who Am I Really podcast. Mm -hmm. So talk about like how specifically will people benefit as they're listening to these episodes? Well, I, you know, as I've tried to be open and honest here on the show, the podcast is an invitation for adopted people to step forward and share their own stories, right? They are, it's funny. I'm going to tell you exactly what has happened here and show you why the show is valuable. 
What I told you here about my adoption story was like the elevator pitch. I could have told you that from the top floor to the bottom floor of a building, right? It was super, super fast. But my story is so much deeper than what I told you. There are a lot of nuanced life experiences therein. I didn't tell you that at the same time I decided to search for my biological mother, I was also losing my adoptive mother to mental illness. I neglected to share that I also found my biological father whom I found through ancestry DNA completely accidentally. So there's all, my story is long and deep. And what typically happens with an adopted person is they do what I just did with you. I give you the elevator pitch. So you kind of get an idea of what is what's going on with me, but you have no clue what I've actually been through the podcast. I sit there for an hour with adopted people who many times have never, ever, ever told their entire story end to end. Mm -hmm. And they get to open up. I asked them, tell me about your childhood and adoption. What was adoption like in your family and in your community? I asked them about their childhood and how they were treated and their family structure. And they'll often go into, you know, some of the challenges that they had as a young child or a teenager. I asked them what they dis why they decided to search. Was it because they didn't look like their family? Was it because their first child was born? Was it because some medical condition had struck them? And when they were in the medical care system, they were asking questions about if anyone else in their family has this same condition and the adopted person's not able to answer because they don't know. They have no idea what their medical history is. And then I go on to ask how the reunion went. How did you do it? Was it Ancestry or 23andMe? Was it a gumshoe detective? Did you, you know, do this, this, that, or the other thing? And then how did the reunion go? Were you, were you received well? Were you rejected? Was it some combination therein? The whole point is I go in with an hour long conversation that digs deep into the entirety of the adoption story so that people can share their entire truth. So if you were to come to the show, you would absolutely hear very real adoption stories from across the country and around the world. I've spoken mm -hmm. to international adoptees, transracial adoptees, late discovery adoptees, and many, many, many more LGBTQ and you name it. I've spoken to somebody who is there and mm -hmm. the stories are just incredible because you don't realize what people are going on, what's going on for people around you until you, you know, chat with them. It's fascinating. Wow. Yeah. This, this thing with the late discoveries is just interesting to me where you know, you go through life thinking it's one way and then you find out, hey, no, I've got this whole other identity that right. I wasn't aware of up to this point. So please share like a memorable story from maybe somebody you've interviewed who was a late discovery and how they successfully uh, managed that. Yeah, it's there's a variety of them. Uh, I spoke to a woman recently right here in the DC area. And she has told me that, uh, you know, her family didn't tell her that she was adopted and it really jarred her because, you know, as you've said, as I've said, you, you have this trust in the people that you consider your family. Mm -hmm. And when you learn that something as foundational as who you are as a component of the family isn't correct. It'll, it'll, it'll wear you down. 
Um, and but what she's been working on is sort of almost killing them with kindness, right? She's indoctrinating herself into the family slowly, and her biological father has fully accepted her, but some of her siblings have not. So she's mm. currently working on accepting that she is not accepted by the siblings, but being thankful for the connection she has with her biological father. So, you know, that is but one story. I know another person who was a late discovery adoptee, not as an adult, but as a child. This is the woman I was telling you about who learned about it from her cousin. Hmm. And she basically told me that uh, it was while it was jarring for her, it started to make sense because when she was in grade school, she was talking to one of her friends and one of her friends said, how come you don't look like your family? And she mm -hmm. at this point knew she was adopted, but then she realized, oh, people can see that I'm adopted. And it was changing mm -hmm. things for her. In her story, her adoptive mother had taken custody of her because her birth mother said, if you'll hold on to my child for a little while, I'll come back for her. Mm -hmm. And she never came back. So the reason I give you that piece of detail is because the child retained her first and last name from her birth mother with the expectation that the child would go back to her original family. Wow. Now she has grown up with her birth name first and last in her community with her adopted family. So people are on the street will ask her, oh, that's your last name. Do you know so-and-so? And she realized, oh, my God, these people are asking me about my mom, about mm. my brother. And it was throwing her off and she couldn't really face it at the time. And then she finally said, this thing is getting too close. Like people are asking me, et cetera, et cetera. I need to figure this out. So she went ahead and uh, and sought out her biological family. And fortunately, she made some wonderful connections. But this this late adoptee, late discovery adoptee experience thing is is definitely one of the nuanced experiences that's incredibly challenging in adoption. Hmm. Yeah, and so the other one would be that this idea of the disappointing reunion, where you you have this like unanswered question, and mm -hmm. I know people for years and years, you know, they want to meet their their biological parent, and then it doesn't go like they thought. Yeah. I mean, please share an example of someone who successfully dealt with that. Yeah, it's I can remember a gentleman who told me that um, he had found his biological mother and that meeting was disappointing. Mm. But she told him who his biological father was. Mm. And this gentleman was incredibly successful. Mm. And mind you, backstory this adopted person had also grown up in a very challenging home. He was sexually mm -hmm. abused. He mm -hmm. was, you know, just othered in his adoptive family. And so he's already feeling like he needs to find himself because he was abused and challenged in his childhood. Now he's found his biological mother that didn't go well. He's located his biological father. This guy's extremely wealthy. And here he is, this kid coming out of nowhere saying, I want to know you. So, of course, this wealthy guy puts up his guardrails and he says uh, his the guy's lawyer, who happens to be, I think, a cousin or something, reaches out and says, um, you know, please cease and desist, basically. 
Mm. And the guy writes back and he's like, listen, I think you're the guy. And if you would just meet with me once, we can talk this out. I don't want anything. And this is something important for people to recognize. Adopted people are not on a search because they want some kind of financial payout. They're not looking necessarily for um, for anything. Most of the time, I've had adopted people say, I want to see somebody that looks like me, and I want to know what my story is. Why was I placed for adoption? Just tell me, because I don't know enough about who I am. So this guy tells his birth father this very thing. So his birth father invites him. Finally, he relents, invites him to the office in New York City. You know, it's after hours. The entire office is gone. So it's creepy for this guy because he's like, if these dudes off me and throw me in the river like this, this will not have been a success for me. Right. <laughs> and so the guy is there with his lawyer and all kinds of stuff. And they're very cryptic and not really saying anything. And it's just not going well for the guy. And then this wealthy birth father says, well, if I was the guy, you should look out for and he names like a medical condition that he has. Now, who says that if they're not actually thinking they could be the guy, right? Mm -hmm. So um, so this guy, he basically said, you know, <clears throat> to this birth father, like, I need this for my sanity. This is driving me crazy, not knowing any of my story, not having any connection to any biological relatives. And he said, you listen, I've, I've found your kids on social media. And you may not want to know me, but I don't think you have a right to keep me from my siblings. And so that also created another set of challenges for this gentleman in trying to connect because the guy was like, don't dare reach out to my kids. So see, mm -hmm. these are some of the challenges that people go through in reconciling with their past as birth parents sometimes. It's, it's not always their fault. And, you know, a lot of times we try to survive the situations we're in and when we do survive and we put it behind us you don't always want to go back and this is the challenge that adopted people have in my mind is when we return to a birth mother to a birth father our return is a signal of what transpired multiple decades ago <laughs> and now they in their mind have to go back and relive what happened and it's it's tough for people. I mean, th this topic is just so layered and nuanced. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I mean, you said some things about adoption that I, I just really never thought about. I didn't even think about that aspect of it. Right. Why How the, the right? birth parent may get triggered. Yeah. Right? Yo, yo, we always look at it from the standpoint of the person trying to get the reunion. But I never thought about, OK, what would the person, the birth parent may be thinking Maybe dealing with regret, shame, what right. have you, that might right. be impacting them. I mean, this is just such a layered. Thank you for bringing clarity to such a complex topic here. No, I appreciate the opportunity. Honestly, it's yeah. this is this is an important thing for people to think about because I think a lot of times we think of adoption as a rescue of a child, mm -hmm. and we don't contemplate the fact that it is the transplantation of a child from one place to another and all of the things that I started this show with. And so there's a very real discussion to be had about adoption. But I, I want to say one more thing. I want to say two things, actually. One, 
not all adoptions are awful. Some of them are awesome. <laughs> My family was great. And I had, I got very lucky with two wonderful reunions. Um, and, and there are a lot of adoptees out there who have had some fantastic things happen. I, I, one of my guests told me that she found her biological father and she didn't know him at the time that she got married. And so she didn't get her father daughter dance. So after she had been married, she put on the song that she wanted to dance with him with to and they had a dance in her backyard, just him and her. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's some really amazing stuff that does wow. happen. It's incredible. Um, and and I, I also want to say that adoption's not going anywhere. So we need to face it, right? Because there will always be a tragedy. There will always be a family that deteriorates. There will always be some issue where a child needs a home. And far be it for us to stop offering safe places for children to go. So, you know, I'm looking at your faces. Y'all look like me in the black community. A lot of times a child just goes over to auntie's house or goes over to grandma's house, goes to mama's house, right? And that is still an adoption. Mm -hmm. So it's not going anywhere and we need to face it. Another thing that I want to just point out really quickly, which is kind of politically charged, but is important to say is, Adoption and abortion are not two sides of the same coin. Mm. They're two completely different coins. And I'm going to explain to you what I mean. When a mother finds herself pregnant, she is going to make a decision. Am I going to carry this child to term or will I not? That's one decision. If she decides she's carrying the child to term, her next set of decisions is... Am I going to be the parent of this child or am I not? They're not two sides of the same coin. They're two completely different things. You can't get to the second one if you haven't made the first one. So I need people to stop conflating adoption with abortion because a lot of times people will say, well, if we just stop, you know, all of these adoptions, then, I mean, abortions, then we can have more adoptions. And it's not a product line. We're not commodities to be just placed in families. And we need to stop having the abortion conversation at the same time as adoption conversations. They're not the same, the same area. Hmm. Wow. Okay. So, so you, a lot um, to think about it, isn't it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot to process. Now this, this is a mm -hmm. great conversation. I mean, and obviously you go on other podcasts and get, you know, ask various questions. What, what's the mm -hmm. one question you don't get asked about this adoption topic that you wish people would ask you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's frankly, probably the last thing that I said, and, you know, just generally, what do you want adoptive parents to know about adoption? Probably. Hmm. And to answer that very astute question that you just asked me, Eric, <laughs> I will say, I want adoptive parents to know that they need to support their adopted child through the whole thing. Mm. Adoption is just not a moment when you bring the child into the family and now like you've got a bandaid over your heart. You have to keep in mind, just like all of your other children, all of your other children, 
they have their own path to travel. And that path is sometimes going to coincide with what you thought. And many times it's going to be thoughts in their own head. And by that, I mean, they're going to many times love you for the parent that you have always tried to be, but it is absolutely impossible. Once you think about the fact that you're adopted and you come from another family, it's impossible for you to not think, I wonder who those other people are. And I'll tell you adopted parents, if you don't support your adopted child along their journey toward reunion, you will get cut out hmm. because the adopted child is going to search no matter what you tell them to do. They are going to get a ancestry DNA connection. They're going to Google a name. They're going to search social media. They're going to do all kinds of stuff in order to try to find some level of truth, even a picture of a face that might look like them. And you, it's best that you find your way to be supportive. And, and even if it requires you to say, you know, if the adopted child comes to you and says that they want to search, you can pause. You don't have to answer right then and say, wow, that's big. Do you mind if I think about that for a little while and then let's discuss it later, right? At least you've not said something you can't take back. And you've acknowledged that you want to talk later. Um, so I, I just encourage adoptive parents to really think about how they're going to interact with their adoptee when the time comes for them to decide they want to search because it's it's going to come and you have to just get right with it. There's too much data out there about all of us for us to not start finding connections among each other. People are going to find each other. It's just going to happen. That's just that's just interesting that. You know, you just put so much light on just all the stakeholders, right? You know, you're thinking about the, the adoptee, the adoptive parents, like everyone kind of has their, you know, their box in this. Yeah. And then, you know, as an adoptee, you're thinking, I want to know my story. I want to know how all this kind of comes together. And then the adoptive parents, they all kind of, they kind of know pieces of the story but mm -hmm. they may not even know all the story right? yeah that's right they, they only know but so much about you know maybe the parents you know uh, so they yeah. probably can answer those questions even if they could unless it was a you know it's interesting when you think about stories like you know when a, a, a child is you know kind of adopted taken over like within the family Mm -hmm. Right, so then you kind of know the story. Okay, that was, you know, like I guess a lot of that was probably back in you know older days when you know maybe, but probably still some of that still today where for sure you know, some you know uh, parent, young parent, maybe not in a position, and a grandparent takes over, and you know, and and not you know that child doesn't know all the, the story, but at some point you you know people want to know all the story you would think that's right think i'm going to juxtapose two things for you think about in asian cultures how important it is for you to know your lineage your lineage mm. your history your family line is incredibly important and for us african-americans separated from our mother country severed from the sort of global history that is our past but we have our family history 
you can make a similar, like an analogy to what adoption is in that respect, that you have basically severed the tie between a child and their family and moved them over to a whole other history that is not actually something they're attached to. It's wild. Let me tell you one other quick story, just sort of because I think it's interesting. One of the, in terms of a lesson that I've learned out of adoption and more towards my sort of business and desire to be successful, you know, my adoptive father, Willie, was a wonderful human being. And he started a management consulting firm with several partners that was wildly successful. And they had a massive exit and he was sitting pretty. But unfortunately for my father, I believe he didn't have guys like you, Ted, and you, Eric, who are coaching people through their life, their business. We have athletic coaches all the time, but we don't necessarily have life coaches and business coaches who can buoy us, right? Guide us through certain areas that we're not familiar with. And my father, I don't believe had those when he was growing up. And so he behaved like what we commonly think of as new money, right? You buy shiny stuff because when you look like you're shining, you probably got a bunch of money in the bank. But in reality, what was happening is he overspent. And I'm not telling this story to tell tales. I'm telling this as a reason for my inspiration for my own attempts at business success. So I've taken up real estate investing and other kinds of investing because after my father made this successful exit from his company, he bought a massive mansion and he, you know, went out and he spent all kinds of money. And I think you probably see where the story's going. He died broke. Mm -hmm. And it was an incredibly painful thing to watch, right? This is my hero. That's my dude. Like I'm modeling myself after this guy. And unfortunately I had to sever myself from that piece of his experience to create my own experience, right? And so I wanted to make sure that I learned from his mistakes. And so while it was incredibly painful for me to watch him pass away with barely a dime to his name, mm -hmm. it was also incredibly motivational for me to go out and learn as much as I possibly could about real estate investing, about business. I've joined, you know, some business development groups um, I've followed real estate investors. I listen to the Bigger Pockets podcast series, left, right, and center. Um, I follow, you know, a guy named JT Fox all the time, and he's constantly investing in businesses and teaching people how to understand how business works and what to invest in. Um, constantly looking towards coaches like you gentlemen, and just trying to get folks to provide me the guidance, the inspiration, the knowledge that's going to you know, increase my net worth because I've got a son who's coming behind me and I want him to see what's possible and that he can do it too. And I also wanna be part of sort of breaking that cycle of you know, what, what could have been a cycle for our family. So um, I've been you know, building out my real estate portfolio and I've been building out my knowledge base and building out connections to great gentlemen like you guys to try to generate as much knowledge as possible so that you know we can have this rising tide lift all of our boats together. So mm -hmm. I wanted that to be sort of a, a, a piece of my parentage that 
came through as in terms of a lesson learned for how how life can go and what not to do and and how to build on it make it inspirational for building myself up to you know a new level so he's teaching me lessons from beyond the grave that he never knew he was going to oh, wow yeah, mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that aspect of your story mm -hmm. and it looks like i mean that's provided you a source of motivation to mm -hmm. do what you're doing now yeah absolutely i i'm like i said i've just i'm constantly trying to take in knowledge from intelligent guys like yourselves you know to make sure that i'm not repeating past mistakes um and and really building you know a nest egg that's going to be supportive of our family's foundation you know going forward buying assets not liabilities you know what i mean hmm. for sure yes. absolutely absolutely this, this, this is, is, this is yeah. great eric it sounds like we're gonna have to have damon come on another time to just get into this other piece because for sure you know, i'm sure people have been like man they've been glued to this our our listeners have been glued to this and they wait wait, wait. what about all this investment stuff? <laughs> <laughs> can, can we get into that so you you gotta come back and i would be you know, happy to two, i would right? be happy to part yeah. two yeah. Yes, by sir. the way yeah, to ted's point like what you just said that's a whole episode it's a whole episode it's a whole episode <laughs> that's like a complete episode right there yeah. yes sir yeah. Well, yeah, I'd be so happy to call come out back on that. because I would like to take some guidance from you guys, too. I would love to learn more about what you all work on, you know, just chop it up and and sort of see where you guys have found success, where you've had some failures. And we can share some yeah. of those stories back and forth because oh, yeah. that, this is how people learn by, you know, being able to plug into other people's conversations. It's why I do my podcast. It's why you do yours. No question. We're going to hold them to that, Eric. We're going to yes. hold them to that. Right. See, this is uh, being being watched around the world, so we, we have witnesses. That's right. That's right. That's right. We didn't. Put, we didn't. Put, we didn't twist his arm. He nope. was like, right, right. So We've all it. got global accountability now. I'll that's be back. Global, I like that. That's right. That's, that's global, accountability. global accountability. That's it. All right. Well, good. So, so we're coming down to the the final segment. It's called "Write This Down," and this is where we each go around and talk about one at least one idea that we want our entrepreneurs to write down from this episode so they can level up so, so damon we'll start with you you're the guest of honor what, what do the people need to write down based on this episode i'm going to say you need to write down perseverance mm. because it applies to both the business aspect of what i just dropped and the adoption aspect of what i put out there as well if you're not able to endure the good weather, the bad weather, and everything in between and keep pushing towards your goal, be it adoption reunification and finding your story, or be it learning from your father's mistakes and building up a you know successful set of business investments that are going to push you toward the future, if you don't have the perseverance to push and drive and scratch and claw towards your goals because you know that's what you need to do then you're not going to make it and so i truly believe that perseverance inner strength you know positive self-talk you know eliminating those those limiting thoughts are incredibly powerful so please 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 push on you can do it perseverance is going to get you there just keep going
Oh, that's great. Push on. Perseverance. Yeah, if you just write down that word perseverance, I mean, I, I think that's that can go a long way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. All right, Ted. How do I follow this? How do I follow this? You know, so so for me, just in um, just hearing all of this, it just put me in a, a in a place of gratitude, right? Because you think about this, and you think about you know the family, and you know, and and, and being a part of that, and kind of you know just having a certain type of situation because everyone didn't have that, mm-hmm. right? And so gratitude, appreciation, and just a, a, a and just a different understanding of it, right? Because I just have never had this type of a discussion around it. You just think, oh, okay, this person, you know, is adopted and they're with this family, and you never think about this. And we're and we're like that in a lot of think parts of our lives, right? Yeah, we just don't really think about what someone else has had to deal with, what their life is like, you know, whether it's a you know, not comparing it, but whether it's adoption or someone that's dealing with disabilities or someone that, you know, has gone through, you know, different other challenges in life. And again, like I said before, like what it is carrying their box. That's right. Because you carry your box, right? And I tell people that all the time. You got all your stuff in there, your your financial situation, your health, family, all the stuff is in your box. And you're never thinking, man, what's, you know, I know Damien, he's a great guy, man, but you know, you know, let me lift the lid, you know, if you lift the lid off the box and let you know a little bit about it, and you're like, man, like I, yeah, that's deep. And then when you look back in your own box, you realize what you do have to be thankful for. What you have right? to be thankful for. That's yeah, right. So, so yeah, that gratitude that is important. Absolutely. So thank, thank you again for, um, for sharing. And that's definitely, uh, you know, just, uh, just think this is helping a lot of, I hope it helped us as many viewers as it's as it's helped me just in listening. Excellent. To the fire. About you, Eric. Yeah. So, so, so for me, like we always have, or I know of people who are difficult to deal with, difficult to get along with, problem people. You would call them. Maybe they work for you. Maybe they work with you. But, but this, this idea, and I, and I, I've always tried to live with this thought that you know everybody is battling something that you know nothing about mm. right so instead of just judging the person it, maybe it's just about taking a step back and trying to understand their story and, and mm. trying to make you know empathize because like i said I, you, you mentioned some aspects of adoption that i never thought of mm-hmm. you probably said f- five or six things about adoption that i had never thought of and so you just don't know how these types of things are impacting people and taking that that step back and taking the time and you when you start lots of you when you listen people start talking they'll tell you certain things about them and, and right. it, it helps you to kind of connect the dots and understand why they are the way they are and it may be they're a pain or they're difficult because of how you're approaching them that could be a tear. I'm not talking to myself here as, as the first person. Um, so no, but but thank you, Damon, for what you shared um, to help us to really understand all the different layers and 
different aspects of adoption. And I, I did want to throw one question out there. What, what do you recommend people that are just dealing with trauma and they feel like it's just, it's bigger than them, whatever they're dealing with, uh, what resources should people be pursuing to, to get help? Uh, I'm going to say a couple of things, and some of these are directed at the adoptee community, but I definitely recommend people seek a counselor, mm -hmm. right? Because a lot of times what we do is we have a problem, a challenge, an issue, something we're trying to overcome, mull over, solve, and we're only talking to ourselves in our head. We're walking around thinking about it by ourselves, and there's nobody responding to what you've said to say, that's the best thing I've ever heard, or that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard anyone say. And I say this to say, by sitting, if you are, are challenged to the point where you really feel like I could really talk to somebody about this, go do it. Because you're, when you get stuff out of your body, when you get it out of your head, it then has space to move around among other people and, and sort of bounce around and, and be molded into something different. And this is part of the power of the podcast is when adoptees will talk to me about their experiences, I'm listening as an objective outsider. I haven't lived what they've lived, but I can tell them what I see based on what they said. And it can be incredibly cathartic for adopted people to reach out and, and speak with me. Cause as I've said, they've never shared their whole story before. The same mm -hmm. is true in business. It applies that if you've got challenges with, personnel, finances, processes, um, growth, all of these different components of what business could be and more. If you're not talking to anybody about it, who's been there before, who's smarter than you, or who is just an objective, you know, listening ear who can share mm -hmm. back what they see, you're just going to remain stuck. So I encourage folks to absolutely reach out for help on things because none of us gets very far by ourselves. It's always when you team up with somebody else, when you share what you're going through with someone else and they can bounce back their idea for you um, that, that you go even further. And, and specifically for the adoptee community, I encourage you to share your stories. It doesn't have to be with me. You don't have to come on my podcast, but talk to other people about it. Go on another podcast write a song, draw your art, express yourself, write your book, but get your story out of where it's twisting up your heart. Get it outside of yourself. Tell other people about it so that you can start to own it, so that you can start to get more comfortable with what has happened to you and react to it differently. So um, I definitely encourage people to talk about the things that they're going through, because like I said, when you're just, when you're in your head by yourself, it's just you in there by yourself. Mm. Great advice. Great advice. So special thank you to Damon Davis for sharing everything he has shared. And what's the best way for people to connect with you to get more information? Absolutely. You can find the podcast at who am I really podcast.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Damon L. Davis, and you can follow the show at WAI Really. So be in touch. I would love to hear from you. All right. And don't forget to share the show. Share the show. Share the show. Share the show. Oh. <laughs> and don't forget, we're going to have Damon back on with us. He so. promised. 
right. <laughs> he promised you guys he's coming global back accountability to talk to you about real estate there's nowhere to escape good stuff <laughs> most stuff most exactly. stuff we're gonna talk most about most stuff, stuff. That's gonna be more this is a layered conversation and i'm telling you he's, he's got some other layered conversations that we can have so now this will be good but again, thank you, Damon. We appreciate the time and you. My pleasure. You've probably seen the look on Ted Nass' face like, wow. <laughs> I know. There have been some wide eyes over there a couple times. Of like, oh, I, so, I, I want to say, like, I, I really appreciate you guys taking time to listen. This is what is really, really important. Oh, we have pleasure. to sit and actually offer a chance to listen. And it's not us about yeah. us talking all the time. Sometimes you just have to sit and listen because some other people have some really amazing stories to share. So thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys. No, thank you. Thank you. All right, gentlemen, joining us. Uh, And again, um, you can listen to this episode on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and any of those other podcasting platforms. And and that's our time for today on the 30 Minute Hour Podcast. Until next time, have a great one. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the 30-Minute Hour Podcast. We need your help to grow the show. One of the best ways that you can help us is by leaving both a rating and a review. You can go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any of those other podcasting platforms and leave us a rating and a review. We've got a bonus that we're running for this month, a special bonus. That if you take a screenshot of that rating and review and you email it to E-R-I-C at E-R-I-C-M-P-W-I-G-G-S dot com, you get entered into a special drawing where you can win a free copy of my book, The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. And then lastly, don't forget to share the show. That's right, share the show. Share this show with someone in your network who you know will benefit from the message. Again, I thank you for listening. And remember, don't allow perfect to become the enemy of progress. So keep growing, keep growing, keep growing.